um, have to be like an attorney to kind of work with me more directly. Um, so yes, I'm helping a few attorneys throughout the year who probably don't currently practice in the personal injury space to show them how lucrative that could be for them. And through our paralegal service that we have, it's going to be lucrative and on autopilot where you don't even have to do any work at mm. all. Like we, we manage the case from beginning to end, even if it has to go to litigation, we have litigation attorneys on our team. So realistically, you're just adding a, an additional stream of revenue to what it is that you already do. So, Welcome to Black Wealth Weekly Podcast, where you can find different guests being interviewed by me, Shaniqua Nicole, the Millennial Money Maven, every single week, where we will be breaking down how they got into their respective industries and are creating wealth for their families. You don't want to miss an episode, so hit the bell and tune in. What's up, guys? Welcome to this week's episode of Black Wealth Weekly. I'm your host, Shaniqua Nicole, the Millennial Money Maven. And today I'm joined by my good friend, Queen Blessing, the Blessing Attitudes on Instagram. What's up, Queen? Man, it's just a blessing to be in the building. Look thank at you that. for having me. Yes, thank you so much for coming. Um, so, y'all, Blessing, as you can see, she is just all of that, honey. And I just love how she does life with her little boy, her business, and everything. So I had to bring you on a podcast so you can spill this tea, honey. Yes, let's spill it. The, 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 the feminine energy is exuding. I already know the business is exuding and exploding. God is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump right into it. Introduce okay. yourself to the people. Tell them who you are and what you do. Yes. First of all, thank you. This is my good friend. So I appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. And I know I'm like in the top five, so I feel very special. Right? Okay. <laughs> but yes, I am blessing destiny. Um, I am a mother of one, full-time entrepreneur. And I'm just here to kind of just share my journey, um, just to kind of keep this very simple. One thing that I was, when she gave me the introduction that just kind of helped me with whatever comes my way in life is I don't think too much about it. We're already here. It's not going to change. So I might as well just go with the flow. So I hear people all the time. They're talking like even today, my mom was giving me a problem that she had. And I was like, mom, let's look at the bright side. You were in an accident. It's not that much damage, even though it's going to take three months for them to fix your car. It doesn't even look like it was hit. So let's keep the conversation going. Right. And that's just kind of my mindset. Like, here we are. What's the bright side? Let's keep the conversation going. Gotcha. So I know professionally you own an accident referral business. Super successful, multiple six-figure business. And, you know, when you broke the business down to me, I was just like, wow, like that's just genius. So definitely want to get into a little bit about what you do. So tell okay. us, um, tell us about the... Accident referral yeah, business. Yeah, guys. So I'm 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 in personal injury consultant is what I've coined the phrase to be. There we go. I moved here 12 years ago to Atlanta from Savannah, Georgia. I was a makeup artist. I was just gotten kicked out of fashion design school at the fash at the Savannah College of Art and Design, and I've always been a natural hairstylist. And I had a singing group. So when I moved to Atlanta, I was going to be a star or work for the star one way or another. I'm still a star, but just not on the screen that way, right? <laughs> and so while you're becoming the star, you need money. You need a job. You need something to pay these bills. So when I was back home in Savannah, I had my own place. Credit was on fleek, if we still say those things. And life was just good. And then I moved here and life was still good, but money was an issue. 
Um, the Mac counter that I was working at in Savannah hadn't transferred me yet. So I was still going for the first six months of me living in Atlanta. I drove to Savannah every weekend because my schedule was Friday, Saturday and Sundays at the mall. So for six months, I did that. I didn't question it. I just did what I had Whoa, to do. Whoa, and how far is Savannah from four here? Hours. So you was driving four hours to work at the Mac counter. So what was it like working at the Mac counter? I really enjoyed the Mac counter. Um, again, I was tapping into my creative side. I'm a Sag, we're like 50% creative, 50% business people. So that allowed me to explore that side of me. Yeah. And I was trying to get transferred here to Atlanta with a little bit of hating going on. So that was taking a very long time. <laughs> and so to wrap this question up, I got a job working at a marketing firm that printed out flyers and business cards for chiropractors. Okay. And this one particular chiropractor that was in our network had a referral situation for his patients. If you was a patient of his and you referred him other patients, he would pay you a $200 referral. Gotcha. But because we did his marketing, we kind of knew about the referral process as well. And back then I was making, what, $11 an hour, passing out flyers for this company, like $14.50 working for the Mac counter. And I just started keeping my ears open for accidents. Right. Um, I even had, I wasn't planning to go here, but I had a, a police scanner. <laughs> okay. That I would listen out for. Accident. Accident. Okay. And I would maximize that because it was paying me more money than clocking in at Mac. Listen. And passing out You said $200 clients. a referral. Mm -hmm. So my goal was five, five referrals a week. That's $1,000. That was a lot of money at 22 years old. And so this is before you actually started the business. Yeah. So you just, just got a little hustle. taste. You saw that he was paying. You saw the opportunity and created some income for yourself. Yep. I love that. Love, love, love that. And I never heard that story. I was saving it for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So early 20s hustling, right? At the hustling. end of the day, hustling. Trying to figure it out. You had your Matt gig, going back and forth to Savannah, and you started doing that. What made you think that that could be a business? So, again, we got good at getting referrals. We got good at finding referrals. And even the marketing firm, he had dibbled and dabbled in referrals as well through the years from just being in Atlanta. This is such a resourceful city. They know all kinds of stuff. So he had already been dibbling and dabbling and successful. And he introduced me to it. And I was like, we should do this full time. So he even had a side business, which was the marketing, the digital printing and flyers and design. I'm like, bro, we ain't got time for that. If we get a couple of referrals a week, we're making more money. If we put our energy there. Right. It's going to blossom because we know what to do. We're doing guerrilla marketing. We're marketing in ways other chiropractors are not doing it. It's boots on the ground. We right. just need more boots on the ground. Mm. And so it was just a, at the time money was an issue. Yeah. And it made more money. Yeah. So I followed the money. So you literally, so you didn't have any schooling to teach you this marketing stuff. You literally just saw a need and filled it. Saw a need and filled it. I love it. I love it. So you convinced this guy who was running his print business. This guy is now a multimillionaire. Multimillionaire. And he will, if we call him today, he will say, it's because of blessing. I right. stopped doing everything else and focused on being an accident referral specialist. Wow. I love that. So now, so you helped him start his business first. Mm -hmm. And now you have your own accident referral business. Yes. So tell us exactly what it is that accident referral is. So um, it's just that when you're finding people that are involved in accidents and slip and falls and workman comp situations and they need to use somebody, they're going to use the use who's on the television. Are they going to use someone they know? And half the time they're using people on television because they don't know anyone else. 
Um, a lot of us aren't fortunate enough to have attorneys in our family or even doctors in our family. Um, so I'm like the bridge between mm. the two. And a lot of people don't trust attorneys. And a lot of people discount their injuries when yeah. they're in an accident. They're like, I'm not that hurt. No big deal. Right. And they don't do anything. Right. I paint the picture, sis. Mm. You have been paying myself as an example. Insurance is at least $200 since I was 19 years old. You know how much money I paid the insurance company? Right. If these people tap you, they owe you some money. Mm. And I paint that picture to them. And you got a little neck pain with the tap. And, um, <laughs> yes. And I just showed them why this is important. Right. Um, because the insurance industry is your friend until you need them and they will abandon you. Mm. And so most people just don't even know that. And I just encourage them. If you don't even do anything, at least book a consultation and get the information. Gotcha. So, wow. So you made two big points there. Number one is that, um, the insurance company is not your friend right? Until you need them. So we pay all this money every single month into the insurance companies. When you're in an accident, what does that look like when you are, when you've been injured? Okay. So that's a good question because one question that comes up a lot from the victims that I'm trying to help is it's an accident. Right. So they know the person that hit them didn't mean to. So they don't want to cause that person any more trouble than they already have. Mm -hmm. Again, as my job and the people on my team is to paint the picture that you're not hurting them. Are you going to call this insurance company to get your car repaired? Are you, do you want your damages repaired? Once you do that, um, the claim is opened. And the most that's going to happen to this person is their policy, their premium for their policy is going to go up a few dollars every month because they have that on their record now. Once that claim is open, the damage is done. That is all. No matter happened. how big or so, small. we add the bodily injury to that. You're the damage is done just from you calling them to get the property damage repaired. Gotcha. So we might as well maximize the call. Yeah. Cause it's already, everybody's going to call the insurance company to get their car fixed. Like gotcha. that'd be their number one thing. Like yeah, how can I, I get, get my, my car. car fixed? Sis, you already got sis in trouble. <laughs> Let's maximize this thing. Right. So I get into a car accident. I call you up. How do I call you up? First of all, eight, seven, seven, your accident money. Y'all that's not my number. <laughs> <laughs> We'll put the so number up We're going to put the, the number up here. Up here so many people um, call me personally, but I'm going to get y'all the right number because <laughs> I don't really give out the number personally much these days. So we're going to get into how and she my runs friends her know business. my real personal number, so they call me directly. Right. We're going to get into how she run her business and she don't give out the number because this, this queen, y'all, she don't do no work in the business and is killing it and just killing the business. But I want, I want y'all to understand, number one, that... Um, you know, there are people out here to help facilitate this. So I know my aunt, she literally got into an accident. She's in her mid fifties. She just retired and she's just like, you know, she had a brand new Lexus and they just totaled it out. Okay. So she's getting her car fully, you know, replaced, but what about your back? You know, what about the pain that's going to come later? You know, what does that look like from a, um, you know, what's the opportunity for somebody that's been in an accident and they think like, Oh, I don't want to go through all that. Got you know. You. First of all, guys, my number is eight 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 seven money eight. There we go. I had to think about it. Eight 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 seven money eight. <laughs> so to answer that question, she's getting her car fixed. It was totaled. What about our back? First of all, most people that are in an accident really, honestly, and truthfully do not have any pain whatsoever right, right away. away. So again, that makes them when they start feeling little 
pains here and there in the neck, back, or shoulders, their number one thing they're doing is, is it even from the accident? Mm -hmm. Maybe I slept wrong. I work out. Is it from working out? Maybe I pulled a muscle. No, sis, you was in an accident five days ago and you don't normally feel this pain. This pain is directly related to the accident. So now they're saying it's too late because they've called the insurance company and the insurance company is asking them, well, do you have any pain? And they've said no on a recorded statement. So now they're feeling like I can't go back and change it. I'm going to sound like I'm lying. The insurance company loves that you feel that way because they know you're not going to do anything. Right. But we know that you honestly answered them the best you could. At the time. At the time. Your adrenaline is running. You're just happy to be alive. And it's minor pain. Right. So to wrap that up and um, to not keep going on. So in Georgia, which is primarily where I work, uh, the policy limits here, meaning if they have insurance, they got to have at least $25,000 worth of coverage. A lot of people get blessed. Like in my accident that happened last year, they had $50,000 in coverage. So, and it can be a hundred thousand. It can be a million. You never know. Girl. Y'all ain't even checking. Y'all just getting hit, <laughs> getting the car fixed and moving forward. Listen. And that is it. Well, I just got paid $30,000 for my little back pain. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was so painful, y'all. And I had to go to the chiropractor like two to three times a week. And a year later, I got $30,000. There you and go. And that is how much y'all are sleeping on these accidents and leave it on the table and then want to look up and say oh i need a loan and want business funding and y'all done got hit <laughs> three times <laughs> <laughs> and you said like it doesn't have to be you know a tragic accident no, right? my accident can... my car had no damage oh wow the person that hit me their car did have um damage where the could push back but my car had zero. Wow. I never even sent them pictures of my car. Oh, wow. And that's $30,000 for my bodily injury. Wow. Okay. I love that. So for somebody that's like you, sees opportunity, maybe wants to start an accident referral business, how do they get started in this, in this type of industry? So the easiest way would probably be the way that I kind of started out. Boots on the ground. Social media was social media when I was 22. Damn, I'm old. Um, at 35, but it wasn't predominant about business as it is now. So Facebook, I don't even think I was on Instagram when I started. It was all Facebook. Wow. I'm so old. <laughs> it was all Facebook. And then I'm well, at least it wasn't back. MySpace. What MySpace? I remember MySpace. I had a little business on MySpace. Listen, child. I had MySpace, but it wasn't for business. <laughs> I wasn't ready yet. I was just braiding hair at that point. So we not, I need not. Anyway. So um, Facebook, I would just post about it all the time, all the time. I had my scanner all the time, all the time. And then I started making connections like um, my first connection was a young lady who, well, not my first, but one of my first that involved other people was a young lady who worked at a hospital. So, you know, I don't need any um, HIPAA information. Mm -hmm. I might need a little phone number. Slide right. me a little phone number. And then a lot of times um, those are, that's a good resource. Places like an enterprise, tow truck companies. And again, we don't need nothing outside of their phone number. And we give them a little courtesy call because um, as an attorney, you can't solicit, but as a third-party agency, I can solicit. As an attorney, you can't solicit? Yes, you can't call directly. And oh, gotcha. And, you and can only mail. Service. They can probably mail. Because every every time I've gotten a ticket, gotten an accident, I've literally started getting in stuff the mail. in the mail yes. from different attorneys. Because the mail, technically, 
you can even call them on the phone technically after 30 days. Okay. So I don't know how fast you're usually getting the stuff in the mail, yeah. but after 30 days, it's public record for anybody. Gotcha, gotcha. But within the first 30 days was when you really want to hop on making your claims. So you got to be fast because mm -hmm. otherwise they're going to get got by yes, somebody else. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you got to get resourceful. Right. So um, I'm actually starting, um, I'm actually having a masterclass to speak on this more in depth about how to get started, but that is the easiest way. And for anybody that watches this podcast and anybody that um, turns and in, tunes into that masterclass, my usual fee is going to be is $200 for anyone who sends me a case, just like the chiropractor from back in the day. But with inflation and my special friends, I'm going to increase that to $500. So even if you just got one for a referral, for a referral what? from coming from this podcast, Black Wealth Weekly, or being in my masterclass, I'm going to, if you come from those sources, yeah. your referral fee for life with me until we decide to do more, but not less, will be $500. Oh, I know that's right. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. So we want you to really take this serious so, as a side hustle. Right. And if somebody wanted to start it, um, oh, so they will be referring it to you. They're going to be referring them to me. We're actually, um, I'm actually a partner. And you guys, if you're in the Atlanta area, have probably seen billboards around Crash to Cash. Okay. We're actually building out a full referral program citywide, uh, statewide, statewide, and then countrywide is the goal. And everyone's going to have like their own QR code and their own phone number possibly, but a way that is very systematic mm -hmm. that they don't need to refer them to no one else but us. We're going to teach you the referral business and teach, and we want the referrals at the same time. I love it. Mm-hmm. Listen, so she done started talking about systems, so we might as well just get into the business of how do you run such a successful business at this high level as a mom, busy entrepreneur, every time I look on your Instagram, you're traveling somewhere, you're doing something, something, somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have other business endeavors as well, so how do you, how do you build a business um, that you can kind of just step back and step away from. I know that has been a big uh, focus of yours. Yeah, guys. So it, it hasn't been that easy. Um, so I, as an entrepreneur, I do love to travel. And a lot of times when I'm traveling, I'm working. So what you guys see on on Instagram and social media is the fun parts. You don't really see the, the work that goes into what I'm doing on my vacation. As of this year, though, that has changed. So I joined Neil's Inner Circle, which we both did last October, and everybody was like, virtual assistants, virtual assistants, you got to get you a virtual assistant. Got me some virtual assistants, and I'm just so impressed. It, it really <laughs> changed my life. I can actually vacation now. Uh, they're in the, out of the Philippines, most of them, and compared to American wages, is pennies on a dollar, but their work ethic is just outstanding. Um, even when I don't, we always don't see eye to eye. Sometimes what we're paying them, it makes it all still worth it. It's really, you can't lose in this situation. And whenever they do make a mistake, even though I may not like it, they feel so bad. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's just the compassion and the passion that they have that was a struggle before them because hiring Friends, families, and just people off indeed, none of them were panning out for me. Mm. And then after the pandemic, you all know if you're hiring how that's going. Like nobody wants to work. Right. We're gonna get this PPP or some <laughs> other type of business funding, or or we're just gonna create a new side job, which is smart. Yeah. These side jobs pay more than these jobs. But for us, 
who need employees, it's becoming a real problem. Um, right now, I'm working with a, a law firm kind of acting as their acting COO, trying to get things together there. And the amount of money receptionists are requesting. Mm. And the, it's just, they want like $25 and $30 an hour to answer the phone with no experience. I'm like, what is going on here? Girl, I paid my assistant years ago $25 an hour. Well, you rich. Mm-hmm. So that's different. But these, <laughs> these normal jobs, that's Girl, not normal. Girl, the law firms got money, money. No, but that's still not normal, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, jobs don't... Well, I know, like, nannies and stuff want $30 an hour. And it's like, it's, it's getting really up there everything everything is yeah. everything i think is. even mcdonald's is like 18 17 an hour now that's my whole point and i'm like bro i'm not there yet because i'm old school so maybe my <laughs> head is still stuck in facebook and in, in, in my space land i'm not ready to pay for these basic jobs these kind of wages With low service and it's, on top of that you're you're not even coming through and producing you're yeah. like minimum quality asking for the most money right. i can't i can't get jiggy with it <laughs> So even with that being said, like our case managers that are usually just paralegals, we're with the money they want. We're saying we're not even going to hire no more. We're going to hire attorneys, mm. people who graduated law school, people who are passionate about a, a career. Yeah. Who are not just passing through. Because if y'all want this, we might as well pay the person who's going to be doing this. Ten dollars more. Y'all could be trying to be a singing star like myself and yeah. just here to get a check. Right. <clears throat> These attorneys, this is what they do, going to always do, paid to do, invested their time to do. Yep. It's a better investment. Gotcha. I love it. So you systemize your business. Virtual assistance. Through virtual assistance. And are you helping people? Um, I am. I actually with virtual um, have my first virtual assistant client today that is hiring someone through my new virtual assistant staffing agency. Okay. Um, I had a conversation with one of my virtual assistants that I hired them through and I just, I really wasn't even happy with her performance and I really wasn't even happy with the company's performance. So I was letting her know I'm going to be parting ways with the company. And so she was like, is there any way you would consider working with me outside of the company? Which is technically probably not the best Against the practice to do, but that was not the intent of my phone call. Yeah. So I didn't ask her and she threw it out to me. Yeah. And then when she told me out of what I'm paying the company and what they're paying her, I got passionate. <laughs> I'm like, this was already cheap for me, yeah. technically speaking. But this is all you're seeing from that. And I really felt bad about that. I'm like, they could do better than that. Yeah. And if they can't do better than that, I can do better than that. Because I like I said, it. even on a bad day for a virtual assistant, we're paying them pennies on the dollars compared to American wages. Yeah. So let's let that go and let's do better next week. You know, yeah. it's worth reinvesting the time with them. Mm-hmm. So really, it was not my intention. But after that conversation with her, I saw how I could really serve them. Yeah. And from a good place and yeah. not take advantage. I just felt like that was really taking advantage. It was such a dramatic difference. Yeah. In and what see, they were this is paid. the thing. This is how, you know, this is how we come in and change the industries. You know what I'm saying? And that's the power, I think, of black wealth and black business and black ownership, number one, because we're always coming from a place of compassion and how can I help? You know, we just have that love ingrained in us through our pineal gland mm-hmm. and all of that. And so I love that. You know, you saw number one, you saw opportunity for business. Um, so if somebody wanted to hire a virtual assistant today, how much do they pay them hourly through your company? Uh, through my company, my price range is going to be about 5 to $10 an hour. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Not bad. Under, yeah. 
I don't even know. What's the American uh, minimum wage? Uh, so the American minimum wage, but nobody gets paid this, is seven fifty, seven dollars fifty cents. And the reason I know this, I don't know why I thought it was like ten some. Nope, the American minimum wage is seven dollars and fifty cent. And the reason I know this because I'm all about systems and living a glamorous, luxurious life through systems and automation. I just hired an au pair, which if y'all don't know what that means, which I'm sure you do, I'm just going to explain it anyway. It's basically like a nanny from another country that comes and helps out with your kids. And you have to pay them minimum wage for 40 hours a week, weekly. Mm. $7.50 is the minimum wage. Mm. I wouldn't even have known that if it wasn't from this experience I'm going through. Yeah. So, again, that's another. Um, but that's another productivity hack. That's another productivity <laughs> system hack for yes. us moms. Yes, Lord. Who are in need of child care. Um, and what made you decide? So you are bringing a woman from out of the country into your house mm -hmm. and she's going to help care for your son. Mm -hmm. You in turn just pay her the minimum wage for 40 hours a week mm -hmm. and she lives with you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. What made you decide to make that decision? Cause that is a big, I mean, it's also like a responsibility cause you have to kind of take care of her. Right. Or I mean, to a certain degree, um, she's an adult. So I do have to provide certain things like, um, a place for her to stay. I am responsible for her meals when she's, while she's living with me. Um, and that's really the main thing. Other than that, I kind of set rules for how my house runs and what I expect of her. And they kind of agree with that before they even come Sorry. here. So, um, I'm sure everybody's au pair situation is different because you can kind of navigate the waters the way you want to. The biggest disadvantage I've seen is that they can only work with the child. Mm. So if I need her to do anything for me, technically that is against the au pair rules. So everything has to be related to the child. She can wash the child's clothes, um, prepare his meals, um, do his laundry, I said clothes, do his laundry, clean up after him, take him to wherever he needs to go. Um, anything related to the kid, gotcha. that's what they're responsible for. But can't for. wash your clothes. Can't wash my clothes. Can't clean the house. Can't clean the whole house. Mm, just yep. where the baby is. Just where the baby is. Gotcha. But I'll take that. Listen, it, I'll take it too because the baby be messing. Nickname could be Hurricane Katrina. Because <laughs> <laughs> baby, he comes come through, through honey. and destroys. Yes. And I'm saying how we clean it all up, here come Hurricane Katrina all over again. Listen. So if she just cleans up after him, it's right. still a win. Right. But if I could change anything, that's what I would change. Yeah, got you. So probably just like hiring a normal nanny mm -hmm. would be the other option. Mm -hmm. And like I said, y'all, I've looked and nannies want $30 an hour here in Atlanta. So, I don't know if that's the market everywhere, but $750 to $30 an hour. $750 to $30 <sighs> an hour and the flexibility. She, Sound like a heck to me. Yeah, of her living in the... I like the fact that she's going to be living in my home because... Yeah. At this point in time, my son it's more is, controlled. It's more controlled. Um, she's from another country. She ain't got much to do. She's about to be about us. Yeah. So I'm here for that. Yeah. And then another perk about the um the au pair system is that it's a cultural exchange. So she's here to learn American culture, and um she's here to bring her Colombian culture to us. So this ain't about my son, but my son is a lover of all languages. The boy is just on that vibe all by yourself. So what made me select this particular au pair is because I was going through profile after profile. I was looking for someone who was bilingual, who spoke Spanish from a Spanish speaking country. And if this was her, but in her profile, you read all the way down, said homegirl can speak French too. Mm. 
Mm. Bingo. <laughs> she loves music. My son does too. So you can pick them out based on what your life is like. So yeah. she was just perfect for everything my son would need. Awesome. She was the only choice. Right. And the only one I reached out to. She was perfect. Wow. I love mm -hmm. it. Listen, well, you know, you say uh, God just lays it out for you, right? That's why you name Blessing. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This week's episode is sponsored by ABCs for Rich Kids by seven-year-old author and entrepreneur Bryce Nicholas. Please tell us where we can find your book. ABCsforRichKids.com Awesome. This book is so amazing, guys. It literally goes from A to Z with different financial terms for your little loved ones. Awesome. So we've got F is for future value. E is for evaluation. H is for air. Guys, if you do not have this book, the Amazon number one bestseller, please go and grab it now at abcsforrichkids.com. So before all of this glamorous life, um, number one, I just want to say that I just love how you're taking charge of your life, right? Like, I know I'm a mom, you know, I got the baby, he's one years old, and it is a lot. First of all, running a business by itself is a lot. Running a household by itself with no business is a lot. Having children by itself with no business and no household is a lot. So when you put all those three things together... And no father figure to help out <laughs> is a lot. Mm. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> but even... Even when you do, like, I'm married, mm -hmm. so it's still a lot. Yeah, women, we... Listen, we, 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 we bear the brunt of... Um, life. Of life, of, of, of growth for our people. Um, so I just love that you, you know, didn't take the fact that you were a single mom, running a business, all these things, you know, as a reason why you couldn't, and you're using your resources... Uh, to build the life that you want. Like, it's beautiful. I love that for you. And mm -hmm. I just can't wait to see how it blossoms. I know your old pair is going to be amazing. I can't wait to drop baby over there. Listen, <laughs> come on, because we got work to do. Listen, <laughs> y'all. We got work to she do. She's going to hold me accountable. Yes. So, before you came to Atlanta, you've been in Atlanta for how long 12 now? Years. For 12 years. Mm -hmm. So, before Atlanta, you were in your early teens. Yeah, 21, 22 was when I moved to Atlanta. Gotcha. So what made you, um, I mean, let's just talk about life before Atlanta. Okay. You know what I'm That's saying? That's an awesome question. Yeah. How was life before Atlanta? Were you always entrepreneurial? Was entrepreneurship in your family? Because you, you haven't, I mean, the only job you mentioned was... Um, Mac. Mm -hmm. And really, that's kind of entrepreneurial because mm -hmm. you got per client, you mm -hmm. know. So you seem to have been entrepreneurial from the beginning. So where did that come from in your life? Yeah. So I've been entrepreneurial and a worker from the beginning. Um, to take it back to right before I came to Atlanta, y'all, I was in school for fashion design at a very expensive school, Savannah College of Art and Design. And uh, we were taking out loans after loans for me to attend school. And out of ignorance, um, we just thought that all the loans repayments start after graduation. Mm. So mine did, but your parental loans do not. They mm. start after the quarter oh, wow. or after the semester. So my parents were not paying the bills because they didn't know. 
So they got into default and didn't know. Mm. And by the time we found out, they was like, Blessing, you have to produce $5,000 to continue this semester. I would have needed more. But to stay and finish that semester or quarter, I forgot which one it was. All I needed was $5,000, y'all. $5,000 brought me to Atlanta. I didn't have it. Mm. $5,000 didn't have it. I didn't have it. Wow, this is going deeper than I expected. So I like had co- co-signed for a loan for my little brother. I want to say it was like $20,000. He didn't need it. It was just money. You know us people who don't really know about money. Yeah. yeah. They're giving us money. Let's take it. Let's sign. So I had gotten loans for myself with my own name um, just to get the money because I had, had already had the federal loans and scholarships that did what they could do. Yeah. And so um, my brother had the opportunity to get a loan. So I co-signed on it for whatever reason. They couldn't do it. They needed my assistance. So my mom was like, she told me she gave him the whole $20,000. Mm. I'm like, this boy is 18 years old. You gave him $20,000? Mom's like, a big boy. <laughs> she kept like 5000 for herself and gave this boy like $15,000. He was a freshman in school where you weren't supposed to have a car. He had a brand new Impala. I mean, living his best <laughs> life. So now I go to them like, well, mama, I don't need $5,000 of the money I co-signed on to go back to school where I'm not playing games. Right. Oh, baby, let me see what I can do. Mm. Let you see what you can do with my money. <laughs> so nothing panned out. We could not come up with $5,000. As wow. a black family, we couldn't come up with $5,000. Mm. I never really pent how hard I go to that, but I'm sure that, because now you can ask me for $5,000, I'm like, that's all you need. So just from those 12 years ago to now, I just, I said to myself, it's never going to be a day where I can't get $5,000 to do what I need to do. Like I was very passionate about school. Right. And I couldn't finish because I didn't have the money to finish. Mm. Everything happens for a reason. I don't really see me working in that field at this point in my life. Yeah. So I don't even, you know, I'm happy that it happened looking back at it, but 22 in that moment, I was pissed. Yeah. And I really didn't like that my mom did that. But my mom was such a wonderful woman in general. I couldn't hold that one mistake against yeah. the many things she's done for me. So I dropped it. We never even really talked about it anymore. Yeah. But realistically, it changed me. So did your brother finish school? No. Didn't no. even finish school. Mm-hmm. That's another mm-hmm. conversation <laughs> or another day. <laughs> <laughs> I know how it is. I mean, I'm the oldest of eight siblings. So, girl, I've I, I've learned that I've co-signed for things, that people have used credit cards and bought cards in my name. Mm. I had no idea. They didn't about. even know. I had no idea. Wow, at least I knew. No idea. Okay? So, nowadays, I keep a little bit of better check. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But, um... Because, listen, if your family will get over on you, you know, you, you don't know what people in the streets got, got out there for you. But uh, so w- was your mom an entrepreneur? What, you yeah. know, what led you into that she, space? She's definitely an entrepreneur as well. Um, those who know my mother and their head is the lady who's never had a job. <laughs> like my mom's never. My grandma's like that. My mom's never worked nobody's job. Um, and even when she was an entrepreneur, it wasn't like me. Like I get up and go every day. But yeah. like, okay, I, this season. I guess she needed more money, so she did it. Uh, she would do things like open up a daycare. She would sell dinners, but nothing was ever like longevity. Mm-hmm. So I, when I got about 19 years old, 20-ish, I'm like, how did we do it? Because we really had a great lifestyle, y'all. I don't remember not, I know friends who couldn't eat. 
I know friends who had to wear hand-me-downs. I know friends who didn't have it. And it was never like that for us. Yeah. And I was just like, mom, I asked her, how did you do it? And she said, God, Mm. like every time she doesn't stray from that. I know friends who moms had men do things for them. I've never seen men come to my mom's house in and out like that. She had one fiance my entire life that didn't work out. And then she got another fiance and that worked out. And those are the only two men from my childhood I've ever seen my mom with. Mm. Now she might've had like friends that were stopped by the house in the daytime, talk to her, whatever, but nighttime activity and being out at nighttime and clubbing. My mom ain't never clubbed with us. Gotcha. She's always taken us to church. She's a very traditional, traditional, not overly Christian, but Christian, but not overly bearing. Just a wonderful lady, a wonderful mom. She taught me so much. Um, but yeah, God really, I call it faith currency. Like God really mm. brought us through, bruh. And it was not a struggle. <laughs> she made that thing look so easy. <laughs> I know that's right. And that that's what we do. That's what we do as And that's what I'm doing now, but at a more efficient level. Like people tell me I make things look so easy and I love working. Like it's, it, I could work for myself. Even I tell people I became an entrepreneur by default. Like the company that I was with, it just wasn't conducive for me anymore, but I had no desire to leave. I was making good money. I love being an asset. I love put what my energy is always, is always the same. If it's for me, if it's for you, it's for for you. If I agree to do it, I'm going to give it my all. Gotcha. So you just take that into your business. That's it. That's that's what really propels me. I know lazy people. Like, I want to be like you. Bro, you're lazy. You won't even get up and work for yourself. And you need somebody to tell you what to do. You got to be self-motivated. You got to get the things done. You can't be an overthinker. You got to move quick. You got to be a risk taker. Yeah. Yeah. I tell people all the time, you're not going to just become an entrepreneur and, and be effective and be efficient and make a lot of money. If you're lazy on the job, you're going to be, be lazy, lazy entrepreneur. Yourself. Who yeah. going to hold you accountable? Girl. At least the boss, like, you need to come to work. And you're like, dang, I got to go. But if you, <laughs> if it's just you and you don't already have that built up in you, you can get there, but you're not going to scale at the rate you want. Like, you're still working on your self-development. You want to go ahead and have that kind of locked in place before you try entrepreneurship in my, my, in my opinion. Right. Awesome. Well, let me ask you this. What was um, what's one of your biggest regrets um, just from your overall life to where you are right now? Like what's what's something that maybe you've learned from your mom and you're like, oh, I'm never going to do this Um, or um, something you've learned in business. And you're just like, um, you know, just something that you just totally stay away from. Okay. Yes. So regrets don't really have any because I feel like everything happens for a reason that shapes you. So I have hmms, but not quite regrets. Okay. And for me, me and my mom, again, I love her. She, we're so similar. She's in the age of her senior years and I don't think she has enough money personally. So the main thing that I want to do differently is just financially create baby money seeds for my family, Mm -hmm. generational wealth for my family. I just want to be on autopilot at 65 years old um, from the work that I've done at 35 years old. And I want that to be like it is now, like glamorous and full of life and on my own terms and able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And by any means, I don't think my mom is sad whatsoever. And she's definitely getting through what she has, but I just desire more. Mm -hmm. So I just know I got to put in the work right now for my future self. Gotcha. Um, another moment is these sons that we have. I have two brothers and 
we just kind of dropped the ball on all of us with speaking about courtship and relationships mm. and what that kind of should look like. Even if the boys or the girls don't listen, I think we should have more conversations around son, you're a king, daughter, you are a queen. And these are certain things you should do and should not do in certain type of families. You can look at the families. Where is this girl coming from that you're dating? Where is this boy coming from that you're dating? Like, make it make sense because today we're youthful. Yeah. But before you know it, we're 10 years in and it's just not adding up. And I just remember there not being enough conversations around that. And yeah, even as an adult now being a queen, I don't regret any man that I've ever dealt with in the past or slept with in the past, but I would have been more selective because queens just don't lie with anyone. Right. It's a privilege and an honor. <laughs> and I should have realized that a little earlier in the game. Period. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So what do you have coming up? Are you teaching people how to start six, seven figure, um, accident referral businesses, law firms, or, you know, just, just tell us what do you have coming up um, so that people, you know, can expect to, you know, what they can get from you in the near future. Yes. Okay. So two things, because my, my niche is very niche. So you kind of um, have to be like an attorney to kind of work with me more directly. Um, so yes, I'm helping a few attorneys throughout the year who probably don't currently practice in the personal injury space to show them how lucrative that could be for them. And through our paralegal service that we have, it's going to be lucrative and on autopilot where you don't even have to do any work at mm. all. Like we, we manage the case from beginning to end, even if it has to go to litigation, we have litigation attorneys on our team. So realistically, you're just adding a, an additional stream of revenue to what it is that you already do. So is the ideal attorney someone that already has a practice or um, like a corporate attorney? Yeah, someone who either way, corporate attorney or someone who has a practice, maybe family law, maybe criminal law and um, not in the personal injury space currently. Gotcha. And we want to because we have a, our, it's a paralegal service that really brings in the bread and butter, the referrals and the paralegal service. So as we're growing and as our crash to cash and the billboards we talked about is growing, we're going to need to spread those referrals around. So we're looking to bring in, we have systems in place how we like to manage cases. So that's why we say people who don't currently practice personal injury, because you know how it is. Once you've done something your way, you don't want to really hand it over sometimes or yeah. you want to put your input in. Nope, sis, this is just not even free money. This is just money coming to you. Because you are an attorney and we're working the case. So that's pretty much how we set that up. Got you. I love it. What does the opportunity look like for them as far as the extra stream of revenue? Like how much can they expect to make in their first year? <sighs> in their first year, I'm going to say an easily, probably modestly, five, a half a million dollars, $500,000. Mm. Mm -hmm. And they don't have to do the work? And they ain't even doing no work. What? I haven't been talking about this enough. They ain't even doing no work. How do I become an attorney? Listen, <laughs> I was trying to tell them I want to go to law school. They were like, no, nah, just keep hiring attorneys. Girl, please. Why? Why would you? Because what? I mean, okay, so you have to go to a bachelor degree, law school. Uh, so that's four, eight years. I got one year left for bachelor's. I, I dropped out of SCAD my senior year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but then you have, so you have to get into law school, yep. right? Now, yes. does, does law school have certain requirements? 
that your undergrad, like, can you use your design degree to get into law school? So I'm pretty sure I can because, you know, these days there's so many different ways, different online schools. Gotcha. That, well, somebody will take me. <laughs> <laughs> it may not be the most ideal one. Right. But somebody will take me. Right. <laughs> and I can get the degree. Listen, you pay the price. Listen, if y'all ain't learned nothing about me yet, I'm going to find a way. <laughs> I got to get a police scan and, and, and listen out. <laughs> We're going to get the job done. Right. So, okay. So it could be a corporate attorney. Um, it could be an attorney practicing in some other facet of law. You can help them make extra $500,000 a year. Wow. I want to be an attorney now. Listen. That's the problem, having rich friends, y'all. Because they be, they be doing some, they be having some fire no, business. this girl right here is the one who inspires me. <laughs> I'm just, I just happen to be in a lane that God blessed me to just, going but you actually do the work like you premeditated you made strategic decisions about your life like at 19 you were working in corporate america didn't have a choice i mean you did have a choice even if you don't feel like you had a choice you could have chosen to be at the mac counter you know what i'm saying we had choices that's true black girls want to be at the mac counter yeah this black girl said no i'm going to corporate america i'm working with the elite you decided that for yourself oh, and i thank you boo admire that thank you about you thank you yes i appreciate it i just that. blow with the wind <laughs> <laughs> well see my my thing is like i told you i'm the oldest of eight siblings and um money was always around you know money was always around me and i always liked money i like to have money my dad had a car wash and a laundromat so it was like cash mm -hmm. money always around so you know as a kid i had bags of quarters just always, you know, there was no lack, like you said, mm -hmm. you know, God provided in whatever, whatever way he did. And I don't know. I just always loved money. So it was just so natural for me to go into finance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was blessed with that opportunity at 19 and went to school for finance. I, I actually, when I was five, thought I was going to be a doctor. Okay. Maybe a little older, maybe, yeah, maybe around five years old. Um, thought I was going to be a doctor. So I had, I was in, I lived in a project, so Trenton, New Jersey. And one of my little uncles, you know, one of the neighborhood guys mm -hmm. who was like my dad's friend or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, he got shot right in front of my apartment building. Wow. I was five years old. I saw it with my five own two years eyes. Old, so get shot. <laughs> R.I.P. the doll. R.I.P. the doll. Listen, y'all. We ain't no squares here. Like, Okay. That's probably the only real rap song I know of late. <laughs> I'm a square. <laughs> You're so crazy. No, but seriously. So literally saw him get shot in front of my face. So it, he got shot right in front of my building mm. that I lived in. I just so happened to be going into somebody else's building to get some food or something like that. And I was running back to the car. I came out and I saw him get shot. But I didn't want to go. And then I and then I like passed out. So I went into shop. Mm -hmm. And I went into the hospital at five. And because I wasn't sick... But I had asthma mm -hmm. and I went into shock and they just needed to, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. I was there for a couple of days. The nurses were so nice to me. I got to help with all the other little kid patients. And I really thought I was going to be a doctor. So representation matters. Absolutely. We say that so clichely, but representation. No, it really does. Matters. It really does. And I'll, I'll tell you this. All of the nurses that I, you know, that were there, they were all white nurses. Super nice. Super sweet. But I just, I never knew a black doctor. Mm -hmm. I never knew a black doctor. 
And I just wasn't encouraged. Like nobody encouraged me to be a doctor. So I do, I feel like if I had some encouragement to do it, business for me was like the easy way out. Mm -hmm. Because I knew I was going to go to college Mm -hmm. because it was either go to college or be a thug. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, (laughs) listen, like, you know, I'm from the streets of Trenton, New Jersey. So it's like, those are your options, right? Or, you know, just be a floozy or whatever you want to call it, you know. And so I just chose, I chose college as an outlet um, and you know, it, it was, it, it was great for me. Um, but it was like a, it was, it was for escaping. Got it. It was a form of escapism, you know, and you know, what I, what I, what I will say though about escapism is I think that escapism has allowed me to whatever my environment I was living in, mm-hmm. it had allowed me to, as a kid to not, you know, not be there mentally, you know? Um, I remember when I was a, a, a very young kid at my grandma's house, one of my favorite shows was Fantasia. Mm-hmm. And so now that I have kids and mm-hmm. I have them watching TV, I've heard like Coco Melon is like crack cocaine or something mm-hmm. for the kids, for their brains. And it's hyper, you know, makes them hyper and stuff. And um, I realized that watching the show uh, Fantasia, which is a musical, it's just mm-hmm. all music. Do you remember that yeah, with just, uh, Mickey we, Mouse? We, the, we just watched it on VHS. Did you? Girl, I love watching it on VHS. <laughs> we watched it so much, we wrote the, v- we wrote the VCR. I love watching mm-hmm. it on VHS. Yep. So I realized that I, I don't need the outside noise. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to listen to what's within. Mm-hmm. And that was even as a young kid. So um, I encourage you guys, you know, turn off the outside noise sometimes. Um, you know, if what you're hearing within is not positive, it's not healthy, um, if it's dark, then you have a lot of inner work that you need to do. But for me, I try to find peace. Like you say, I find yeah. peace with situations. Listen, and you I know, remember just trying being to live jumped at, in the seventh grade, a bunch of girls jumped me. And they all lived in my neighborhood. And I never wanted revenge. I was okay. The only thing I did was there was a big stick in my neighborhood that I found. <laughs> Because they lived in my neighborhood, I needed protection. You never knew when it was going to try to jump me again. So whenever I, I had to go outside, so whenever I would go outside, I would take my stick. If yeah. they ever tried me, that's I didn't have friends. I had one friend, and we fell out that summer. She was my Sagittarius twin. We had the same birthday and everything. No way. Yes, and she was in the neighborhood, and that y'all was the, too similar. We're still friends to this day, but okay. she had tried me, so I had to let her go that summer. Okay, and that's when they attacked. And they was like, "She ain't got a friend. Let's get her." But I've always been a loner. I do very well with small circles of friends on one here, one there, not big groups. Anyway, had the stick. And so they was like, to this day, like, why didn't you want to get revenge? And why didn't you want to fight them? Them girl, I I could see in those young ladies, they weren't going anywhere. Mm. If I fight them and get in trouble with them, and even when we went to court, they said we were at the skating ring and they jumped me on public property. And I was by myself. And the judge said, all of y'all are going to go to juvenile because mm. you fought on public property. Even you? Even me. Oh, wow. What saved me is my family. We came in here <laughs> looking like the Huxtables, <laughs> the, the Obamas, compared to the Rugrats sitting across from <laughs> us. My pastor, he came and spoke on my behalf. My teachers came and spoke on my behalf. Like, we represented. Right. And we have never seen representation like that before. Mm. And it's just, they were like... Honest to God, they was like, the, that's what saved me. Right. If, if I would have came in there looking like them, even though those seven girls jumped me 
we were all getting the same punishment. Mm. So even before then, I didn't want to fight them. But even after them, it taught me. I had good sense young like you. Like, yeah. I've always been very mature. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm glad I didn't just say what I always said because y'all would have been like, fire her. But um, <laughs> yes, I've always probably been four with a 40-year-old mindset. Right. Eight with a 40-year-old mindset. I don't know. I've just been that girl. So revenge wasn't a thing, and I knew I would wind up like them. Yeah. And that was nowhere. And why would I risk that over some peasants? I kind of knew I was a queen always, but not to the fullest potential. But that was it was just a mindset thing, even as a young woman, that I'm not getting involved with that scum. Right. For what? Yeah. Everybody's going to get in trouble. And I, I got places it. to go and people to see. And I think I was dating Usher mentally in my head at that time. <laughs> Y'all ain't about to lock me up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No. Um, so I'm, I feel the same way. Like, I didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't have a whole lot of friends. I didn't like being around a whole lot of friends. Like you said, I feel like the crowds, you just can't control it, right? Yeah. Like, you always got one firecracker. Somebody want to fight. I wanted to mention yeah. about regret. And this one, I, it might have been a regret. Okay. Kind of, sort of. Okay. And it was that, even like you said about going to the hospitals and seeing the doctors and the nurses and how they were helping you. But again, I was always a creative, so I was in ballet, and my ballet teacher moved away, and my mom just stopped my ballet lessons. I'm like, bro, you find another one. So I think that helped me become resourceful. Like, we don't stop because of adversity. Mm. We don't stop because it was easy, got it taken away from us. We keep going. Yeah. So we have to pay attention to our children. They're so young. And what they like and yeah. what they're into because what if Bryce wants to be a doctor? What if Barack wants to be a doctor? If we're not paying attention to that and fostering that, like you said, your only probably reason for not being a doctor is because no one around I literally around had nobody you. around me to say you can do it. We need to be buying you doctor sets. We need to be taking you to the hospital. We need to be finding mentors that are doctors, which is why I love Atlanta for my sons Absolutely. and your sons because yes. as we both mentioned, whoever thought about really being an attorney, whoever right. thought about really being a doctor, like... Okay, it's cliche. I see it on TV. The special ones get. But to do when you it. think about it, this is the thing. I'm gonna tell you my actual thought process when I was in college. Mm -hmm. So I had my job at 19. I was working at Merrill Lynch already. No college degree, right? But I was going into college. Oh, I had started at like um, what they call that junior college. So mm -hmm. I started at junior college, and um, I was going into my four year college when I turned 19, and I started working at Merrill. And I'm like, I'm just gonna do this job for the summer, but. That's it because I'm going to college because I was messing off at the junior college mm -hmm. almost probably, um, girl, probably had to drop classes, all kind of stuff, you know, just partying and, you know, I used to, you know, I used to fly girls. Yes, yes, girl, <laughs> my thing, living my life. Um, so what I ended up, uh, where was I going with this? What, what did I start with? We were talking about the kids and being around, oh, doctors and attorneys. Yes, yes, yes. So the literal words that I said to myself was, I don't want to be no 32 year old just finishing college and getting a job and just start my job when I was 19 and had started working at Merrill. And girl, I was 19. I probably, I think Merrill probably started me off making like $25 an hour. At 19. At 19. So, you know, it was crazy because... That was, it wasn't my first, first job. I had worked at like the bank and right. stuff like that beforehand. I did little side hustles and stuff. So I all, you know, money just, the dollar amount didn't really matter, mm -hmm. but it was good money to keep right. me there. Right. And, um, I don't know. I just, I literally said to myself, man, it's going to be four years of regular school, four years of, you know, to, to go to the doctor school. Then you got to do two years of residency. That is literally 10 years. I'm like, I don't want to be no 32-year-old. Ciao. Um, time flies so fast. I'm 35. 
Sit Time there. flies so fast. <laughs> yeah, but that's another little minor point that when I moved here from Savannah to Atlanta, I was an entrepreneur. I was braiding hair. Um, was one of my gigs that was like made me money and doing sew-ins. I had three jobs in college. Mm. I worked at the Holiday Inn Express. I worked at Ruth's Chris, and I worked at a place called Covington Credit. So, like I said, whether it was entrepreneur or working for you, I went to work. I never liked being broke, but my mindset never went to let me learn about how money works. Mm-hmm. My mindset was always let me get some money. <laughs> so now mm-hmm. you're on the let this money work for you. Let the, let me learn how passive to make this income. money work for me. Let me relax. And yes. So let's talk about some of your passive income stuff that you have been building and how you plan to like you know what, what what's the next phase of life for you? What do you see for yourself? Passive income. <laughs> Yeah, so right now I have a couple of Airbnbs that are doing well. Um, so with that, I don't have to do much of anything. Like that has been a blessing because when you all you know is work, even when you get the virtual assistance, you're still delegating and looking at your business and figuring things out. But this um, Airbnb space, I've been in it now only a few months, but it's it's one of those streams. You know how we said we want seven streams of income. So that's one of my seven. And I love that. Um, the virtual assistants, I, at first, I didn't want to be all the way out of my business. I liked kind of giving them instruction in the daytime and like looking at it at nighttime. I'm to the point now, I just want to look at it weekly. <laughs> so I'm working on how I just hired someone. I want to teach her everything about running the business from beginning to end, how to instruct other people and what to do because their work ethic just, I've never had anybody on my team I could trust with that task. Yeah. And now that they're here, I feel like I could trust them to really get the job done. So my active income is starting to become passive passive income. Mm. Um, The next thing I'm looking into is options trading because I need to make a couple of thousand dollars in a couple of minutes because (laughs) I like money and just investing more. You know what I'm saying? For the long run. And so, you know, I believe that probably my mom did get a lot of money at one point in time of her life, but it, she didn't make it stretch. Mm-hmm. So I got to learn how to make it stretch. Uh, I was watching Wall Street Trapper last night and he was telling us we can't buy no more Chanel's and we can't buy no more Louis Vuitton's. <laughs> We're in a recession. I don't care if you got money. Even your girls with money stop buying all this stuff. And I'm like, oh man, I was just getting warmed up. <laughs> Thank you for the word, Wall Street Trappers. So um, yes, yeah, so just you know, taking information from those who are doing better and yeah. know the space better. Like, it's one thing if you don't know the information, like my mom and our moms and so many people's moms. We can't hold that against them. Right. Our children can hold it against us. It's so available. They, we know everything. We have peers running up the bag for long term, short term, now term. Right. There's no excuse for us. So Absolutely. we don't get this together and figure this out. And when we, you and I are sitting on the beach at 80 years old in our little 80 year old bathing suit. <laughs> We need to, that's, that's my desire. Like how Girl, you are thinking about 32. Girl, you talking about 80? I'm thinking about 80. Like I want to look just like this with a blonde, with a gray ponytail. <laughs> it's going to be a gray ponytail, y'all. But the body, all of that. Ooh. Just like this. Right. Living my best life. Because right. I feel like even our generation, like it's a, it's a, um, it's a um, viral noise or sound going around right yeah. now about how 30 year old women look like this, oh, is a, yes. this is a new 30 like yeah before like when you were approaching 40 you were kind of retired as a lady you just worked and went home we out here in these streets in these streets yes, and i don't man. see us retiring anytime <laughs> soon <laughs> 
Well, blessing wants to be an eighty-year-old on the beach. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be on the beach. I'm trying to retire in the next twenty. No, years. No, I'm saying we already started. I'm okay. saying I ain't trying to stop. Right, right, right. I'm right, still right. trying to do it. Yes, yes. Awesome. Well, this has been an amazing episode. I feel like we can go on and we on could. and on. This is so natural for us. She need to make me a co-host. <laughs> I feel like we can go on and on and on. Y'all, let me know. Let me know in the comments. Y'all think she should be my co-host? Let me know. <laughs> um, but we're going to wrap up. I appreciate you for coming Thank through. You for having me. I love your story and how you are building wealth for you and your son, teaching him principles at such a young age. And, you know, really not being a victim to life. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times I feel like we are a victim of our circumstances. And I just love that you are literally just taking life by its horns. If it was a bull, and you like you I'm gonna... riding that thing like a cowboy. <laughs> I'm a ride that thing like a cowboy. Let me leave y'all with one more little thing because it's only right to leave you with the book. But the master key system, I cannot remember who's the author because I read it when I moved here 12 years ago from my original mentor. Shouts out to George. I'm walking through Lenox Mall, looking cute like I always do. And this man stops me. He's like, I'm going to help you make more money than you've ever made in your life. And to this day, George and I are still getting more money than we ever made in our lives. He's on the billboard this week. I'm going to be on the Crash of Cash billboard next week, ATL. Okay. But he gave me that book to read, The Master Key System. And it really changed my mindset of life happening to me. Mm. And I was already a faith girl. I already knew the basics because... All these self-help books are are the Bible formulated differently to help you understand it better, yeah. in my opinion. Um, so because I had the foundation of the Bible there, the way they worded things just kind of clicked. But it basically taught me that life is not happening to me. It's up to me to make things happen. So I used to have this boyfriend. I would always be like, I'm sad. I'm sad. But now that I'm 35, I can look back and see how I could have made that relationship so much better Mm. instead of just being the victim of you need to do better and make me happy. Mm. It was my job to create the happiness and you would have gotten on board. Yeah. So reading that book um, definitely changed my perspective, even to a higher degree that says you make whatever you want and whatever you want to do. You have the power. You, 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 you have the power to get it done. Read that book, y'all. And that's it. That's Queen Blessing. Where can they find you? How can they follow you? How can we support you? Yes, guys. Follow me on um, Instagram at The Blessing Attitudes. The Blessing Attitudes, however you say it. Um, Keep in mind, Blessing has no G. So The B-L-E-S-S-I-N Attitudes and everything else and everywhere else is also the same handle. Peace, billionaires. All right. That wraps up this week's episode of... Black Wealth Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Shaniqua Nicole, and I hope I will see you guys next week. Thank you for watching this week's episode of Black Wealth Weekly. I'm your host, Shaniqua Nicole, and I hope to see you next week. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, turn on the notifications, and head to blackwealthweekly.com where you can read all the new episodes of these entrepreneurs and so many others.